Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. Oh, you really uh, <laughs> really woke me up there. That was a, a, a big uh, intro. Hey, coming in hot on a Monday afternoon as we record this. A beautiful day here in the nation's capital on uh, Thanksgiving. Scott, have you been outside yet to enjoy what is a truly spectacular fall day here? Of course, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I'm already at eight, almost eight thousand steps for the day. Uh, did a little walk by the Ottawa River around the War Museum uh, and back. It's pretty nice this time of year. The foliage out in full force, uh, and as you mentioned, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Uh, not too hot, not too cold, just perfect. Yeah, yeah it really is spectacular. The last day where the Queen Elizabeth Drive will be closed here in Ottawa, which uh, goes right along the Rideau Canal and the colors are out. It really is uh, just an amazing time of year. Certainly one of my favorites. Uh, It is Thanksgiving here in Canada. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian friends. And for those of you who aren't in Canada and aren't celebrating Thanksgiving today, happy Monday. Uh, Hopefully you're having a wonderful day at work if you are at work. So, Scott, uh, let's talk about what happened this weekend. Uh, I, I don't remember the Grand Slams having an event on Thanksgiving. Is this new? Is this the first time this has happened? Yeah, I don't remember it either. So it, it might be new. I feel like last year it was always the end of October, but uh, who can remember? They all bleed together, right? They do. They are all the same. So they did have the Boost National this weekend in North Bay, Ontario at the beautiful Memorial Gardens, home of, I think they're still called the Battalion. They're in North Bay of the OHL. And Scott, uh, it was quite a weekend with Sylvana Terranzoni and Brad Gushu coming out on top at the end of the week, uh, two finals yesterday. Let's talk big pitch before we get into some of the specifics that we want to discuss. Anything stand out for you from what you saw over the course of the week? Some things stood out. uh, The Swiss men's team, uh, Michael Bruner, making the playoffs. Pretty good showing for them. Corey Dropkin, uh, they came out pretty strong this week. Uh, so good for them on the women's side, uh, Raphael, Raphael Kaiser, I think was the one that, uh, sort of surprised everybody turned some yeah. heads. Um, otherwise not too many surprises and, and names that I think we gave pretty good odds to be in the finals and win when we did our preview last week. Yeah. So Gushu beats Nick Dean and, Savannah Terranzoni beats Kerry Anderson, and those four teams would have had pretty high odds in our odds maker game last week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree. Some some nice runs there. Unfortunate for Corey Dropkin and his team. The way their run ends, losing eleven nothing to Brad Gushu in the final. Uh, team Kaiser they lost in the uh, quarterfinals to Anderson. Uh, so yeah, so it, it was pretty interesting. Really. 
congested standings on the women's side where you have three tiebreaker games. So that Saturday morning slot was full with three women's games, one men's games, or one men's game, excuse me. And uh, you had a shutout too in that tiebreak where Jennifer Jones beat Chelsea Carey six to nothing. So it it was a full Saturday for those teams uh, who had to go through that that draw in the morning, 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. Good God, I was not awake uh, when those games started. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll notice none of them made it – you know, made it past the semifinal. So yeah. uh, for, for Caitlin Laws to come out and you know, play her third game against uh, Tiranzoni, pretty tough. But you're starting literally, like literally 12 hours after the first game is the semifinal. Like that, that's such a long day. Yeah, yeah it's like, uh, it's like uh, our club bond spiels, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, uh, some surprises the other way. Uh, Bruce Mowat had the highest chance on my scorecard here uh, mm-hmm. of uh, of winning and didn't make the playoffs. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Rachel Homan's team losing out in that quarterfinal to Caitlin Laws. That's, that's sort of the surprising ones on the other side. And of course, Anna Hasselberg uh, mm-hmm. struggling and uh, not making the playoffs. So uh, a few surprises on the opposite side uh, from the nice surprises that we saw as well. Yeah. So you mentioned Maui. We should note that I think it was Bobby Lammy. It could have been Hammy McMillan too, but I think it was Bobby Lammy had a broken hand or has a broken hand and Bruce Mowat was sweeping over the course of the week. So uh, with with all due respect uh, to Bruce Mowat, that is obviously a downgrade on your sweep game uh, to go from, to go from Bobby Lammy to, to Bruce Mowat. So uh, a tough situation for that team. Uh, hopefully the hand improves by the next time we see them. And certainly you would hope by the European championship that he's a hundred percent to be able mm-hmm. to sweep and get back to that top form that that team's in. But yeah. You certainly don't expect them to go one and three over the course of the week. Uh, maybe a bit of a sh- surprise with Yannick Schwaller as well going one and three. That's surprised to me. Uh, I, I know we didn't give them the, best odds but that that's a good team and that they'll be heard from later in the season you'll think and yeah like you say Hasselberg being down there I was surprised to uh Krista McCarvel at one and three I thought they'd get a nice boost from the northern Ontario crowd so a little mm-hmm. disappointing to see them there at one and three but overall it seemed like a fun week uh Scott we have some curious strategy things to talk about, though. Uh, this is one I of the so, things yeah. that uh, I, I like to get into some of the specifics uh, of these games when we have the opportunity to. So let's go in the order in which I think they're the most interesting. And let's talk about the seventh end of the men's semifinal between Matt Dunstone and Nicholas Sedin. This was a low-scoring game. It's 3-1 to one for Nicholas Adine in the seventh end. And Matt Dunstone has the hammer. So the situation when Nicholas Adine goes to throw his first stone is that there is a corner guard belonging to Matt Dunstone above the 9 o'clock position in the house. And Matt Dunstone has a rock pretty much at noon, are uh, in the four foot, high four foot, eight foot area in there. So those are the only two rocks in play. Nicholas Adine decides to draw around the corner guard 
and continue to allow Matt Dunstone to sit one. And then Matt Dunstone hits it out. And then Nicholas mm. Dean decides to play the double, which was left. And then Matt Dunstone blanks. So this was a very lengthy discussion in the booth because essentially by drawing behind, what Nicholas Dean is trying to do is bait Matt Dunstone into taking two so that the game is tied and Nicholas Dean has the hammer coming home. Mm-hmm. But then after Dunstone hits it, Nicodine could very easily have hit one of them and either tried to roll back behind the guard. He could have even rolled out and say, hey, Matt Dunstone, take your two. Then it would have been a very curious decision for Matt Dunstone. Does he actually take the two or does he just hit his own out and take the blank, which he could have done. Uh, But Scott, this was a rather interesting, I thought, moment in this game of what do you want? Because it used to be, do you want to be down one with the hammer? versus up one without now it seems to be two like the 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 math of this has now changed where do you want to be down two with the hammer or up two without and nicholas adine clearly felt more comfortable in a tied game than being up by two yeah which is strange right like uh in a game especially like this one that finished three to three yeah it's not like both teams were putting up huge scores so uh, it's a little strange to, for me to think that Nicholas Adine wanted him to to take the two, and, and then shifted gears. Right, like right. Uh, if if you say okay, we're okay with him taking two, then like you mentioned, just hit one and yeah. give Matt Dunstone the put the pressure back on him to make that decision. Being being up two without, I think is like really good. There, there's been, I haven't looked at the analytics so far from last year, but before that, it was like a 90 something percent chance that you win when you're up one yeah. without, right? So being up two without, I'd imagine would be even more of a percent chance that you win. What ended up happening is that Dunstone got his two in the eighth. So it was just like the same thing happened, but an end later. This is where I think it gets even more interesting is that Nicholas Dean got lucky in the eighth end that Matt Dunstone played the Mark Dacey strategy in the eighth end. There's a whole jumble of things in the forefoot above the T-line and Matt Dunstone on, I think, BJ Newfeld's first. They they have a long discussion of what do you do? Do you come behind a corner again? Or, or do you try to come behind everything? Or do you try to tap some of the stuff in the in the forefoot around? And ultimately, they decide to come around the junk because there's no angle the way the, the rocks are. And when Matt Dunstone went to throw his first stone, uh, you know, seven minutes later, he was well set up for the three. Like hmm. he, the, the stone that BJ Newfeld threw deep was perfect. And then through the rest of the end, Matt Dunstone has a hit, and if he rolls over to the three o'clock position, then Nicodine has not a great angle on a long double to, for his sake, hopefully just make a tie. Like they played that end really well to set themselves up for a three. And we've seen Kevin Cooey do this before, where he has intentionally given up a steal in the seventh or the ninth end 
to be down to rather than be tied without. He'd rather be down to with than tied without is mm-hmm. the math that he is he's played with. And this was a situation too where if Matt Dunstone makes his shot, now he misses it, not a terrible miss. He just didn't roll far enough. And it was a pretty simple double for Nicodine that he almost squeezed through to like a double and then freeze uh, on the back one uh, that uh, would have really been disastrous for Matt Dunstone. Didn't come far enough. He still had a, he had a tricky shot, but he made it for the two. But that seems to be the math now for these teams that they would rather be down the two because you have a chance to get the three. And with the five rock rule, the other team can't hit until their fourth stone. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're trying to steal, the other team can hit on their third stone. And that's a huge yeah. difference. So when the other team is going to be playing defensively, you can kind of guarantee your two in the last end. But keeping the hammer seems like, oh, you're good. you might be able to crack a three too. So that like 5% chance that you crack a three is worth it because it's an, basically an extra chance to win the game in, in essence. And that seems to be how they're playing it. Well, yeah, that, that must be it, Sean. Like it, it does seem that's the decision that the teams are making. Uh, they're not, uh, they're not settling to take their one and try and steal or uh, even just uh, be tied with, without, you know, yeah, uh, or tied with even is, is not uh, as ideal as it used to be, it would seem. But, but again, that's what Nicodine was playing for. He was playing well, for tied yeah. with, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. He, so he, he Dunstone... wanted, yeah, he wanted, he wanted Dunstone to take the two and seven so that he could be tied with coming home, the hammer coming home. Yeah. That's what he was playing for. And cause you're, and he was late enough in the end too. And so I think this is part of the math is like, you don't, maybe yeah. you don't start the end this way, but you're late enough in the end that the best he can do is two. So you're just like, all right, go for it, pal. Like you, you can't get three now. So that risk yeah. is totally off the table. Yeah. Maybe you don't play the whole seventh end being like, you know, the way we joke about Russ, like, Oh, you force him to two. Like he was literally trying to yeah. force him to two. And yeah, maybe you don't play the whole end that I don't know if reckless is the right word, but that, you know, leaving their stones around, but late in the end when it's not going to hurt you, or at least you're not going to go down, then maybe yeah. it's worth it. You know, then maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, something, something to watch the rest of the season. Yeah. Now what was particularly curious about it in the moment was the switch though, that mm, Nicodine yeah. on his first one there in seven plays the draws, trying to get him to take the two. And then he plays the double that that's what I was curious about. And that's what yeah. I kind of wish I, I realized we could have potentially driven to North Bay, but that's like a post game question that I would have been interested in asking Nicodine, mm-hmm. like why switch gears drawing first and then playing the double. And then just as interestingly, I would have been very curious to ask Matt Dunstone, what would you have done if yeah. Adina just hit one and, and you were sitting there and even and if mostly if he rolls out, like if Nick Adina hits one mm-hmm. and rolls out, would you have drawn for two or would you have peeled your own out for the blank? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a, a great what if uh, to what would have happened. And conversely as well, like I, I wonder if Adina ever contemplates giving him three there and then being one down with the hammer. Uh, yeah that's even gutsier yeah maybe try to play another draw 
tucking around one of them and make him play a run for three or something anyway. Yeah. But it's, it is something to keep our eyes on now, sort of this late game scenario mm-hmm. where it used to be up one down one hammer on either side. Now it's two. Uh, and we've seen it more on the men's side. The women's teams haven't uh, been going to the strategy uh, nearly as frequently uh, mm-hmm. if at all that, that I've seen, but on the men's side, as some of these teams are really picking up on, on this and, feeling comfortable having that last rock down to with the hammer. Absolutely. Should, should note though, neither situation is good for you. Like you don't like being down two with the hammer. You're still going to lose more often than not. Uh, being tied without the hammer. You're also going to lose more often than not. Like neither situation yeah. is good for you. Uh, you no, should try to have the lead late in the game. Yeah. It's just, what's the less worse. Yeah. So that was one strategy decision that was quite interesting. The other one came in the women's final yesterday between Carrie Anderson and Sylvana Tiranzoni. And this came in the fourth end. And it was Val Sweeting's either first or second one. I, I don't remember. But essentially, what you have are three Carrie Anderson stones in the rings and one Sylvana Tiranzoni stone in the rings. And the question is, what do you do? Uh, do you draw in with Val Sweeting's and sit two or three, or do you try hitting and sitting four? And the issue is that over around three o'clock, you have the Sylvana Tiranzoni stone, basically top four foot ish in the 12 foot, uh, but on that sort of height and a Carrie Anderson stone in the back eight foot, back four foot, back eight foot range. So there's about three or four feet between the two stones, creating a jam possibility. There was a brief discussion Ultimately, the team decided, well, why don't we sit four? I was kind of on team Joan McCusker here saying, you don't want to jam it. This is kind of risky. And then kind of falls apart for Kerry Anderson the rest of the way. They score a single point, came against the draw against three, I think. Uh, But the end kind of falls apart when Val Sweeting does jam. Scott, I thought Mm -hmm. this was an interesting strategy decision and a question of, do you draw? Do you leave that stone alone? Sit multiple? Or do you try and get super aggressive and sit four? Well, the, the thing is, like, they could have sat three just by playing the draw. Yeah. <laughs> and is sitting three versus sitting four, like, I think, like, if they made the shot they were going to make, uh, there probably would have been a double there. So three would have been the most anyway. Mm-hmm. And like you say, that was really dangerous to try and hit that. Um, both of them said, oh, the hit was my first thought. Yeah, but then it looked. It seemed like they were going to play the draw, and then maybe the front end talked Val out of it. I don't know, but maybe she talked herself out of it. Right. And yeah, they decided to play the the tougher shot. Now, at the end of the day, it's all execution, right? Like if they make sure. the shot that they're trying to, again, I don't know if it's great. There's a double there with a pro- chance to roll underneath the ones uh, on the other side of the house. Tough, but. Uh, the way Alina Pats was playing yesterday, uh, definitely doable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm. I feel like this is a fifty percent strategy error and a fifty percent execution error because it was Val's last. Uh, you mentioned you weren't sure it was, and so there's not a lot of rocks left. Yeah, sitting four is great, but you're down two, mm-hmm. and probably at the beginning of the end, you said getting two is really good. The only way that you're not going to get to is if you make some kind of error where 
you jam. So they, they jam that one. And then it ended up on the next that they, they were facing to yeah. <laughs> like it, it was just a really, really tough uh, spin on the end. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I agree because you're not in all likelihood going to score four points. And as yeah. you say, the benefit of sitting four is somewhat mitigated by the fact that where you roll if you make your shot sets up a pretty easy double. So yeah. the benefit of sitting four in that moment is minimal. You know, this is one of these things too that I think comes up at our level a lot where people are like, oh, let's sit as many as we can right now. Or, yeah. oh, we have to be shot right now. When you don't, you only count once all the stones have been thrown. You don't have to be yeah. shot after every single shot that you throw like that's not a requirement and drawing it in sitting the three making it more difficult too for Tiranzoni to remove that stone because if you you yep. draw over and maybe you don't want to get too cute with the corner freeze on the Tiranzoni stone but if you put it in that direction at least mm -hmm. it's just something that's in her way she probably is going to play the double on the other side anyway and then you have two stones in the rings to her one and then maybe you have a scenario where you can work a three with those uh because there's that extra shrapnel in the way i don't know but let her play on the other side have your two stones on the right side of the rings and then see what happens it just felt too much in that moment like trying to yeah, get too well, much Sean, shot even like on the other side on the left hand side they were partially guarded stones right so it wasn't just an easy double on that side either. Mm -hmm. So she's going to be playing the rock that you throw next rather than set up an easy double, try to draw it in there and give it like a chance to jam. Yeah. If she tries to hit it. So yeah, I think in the, in the immediate moment I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sit four, but thinking more about it, uh, the risks that go along with that shot, probably outweigh any benefit you get if you do make it perfectly yeah i agree you're just yeah it, it was now if it's no chance of a jam sure uh but it's yeah. the fact that that the jam was such a possibility and that the two stones were just perfectly lined up and i guess you could have picked it but again, there's no real benefit to that. So the, the exactly. Yeah. So I was kind of in the moment I was thinking like, cause Joe McCusker didn't like it in the moment. Joe mm -hmm. McCusker was like, well, I think he just come in and sit three. And I, I was kind of on team Joan uh, in the moment as the, the shot was coming down. And then of course the jam, and then you have a situation again, five minutes later where Carrie has to draw against a, a multiple, a potential multiple steal. And they had to sweep it mm -hmm. really hard. Uh, Harris and uh, Burchard had to sweep it post to post just to get a yeah. top eight foot uh, to avoid the big steal. Uh, and so you're going from a situation where, like you say, I mean, execution obviously is part of it. It's not just purely a strategy decision there, yeah. but if you play it differently or, or it, frankly, if you make the shot, you call, you probably still are going to score at least the two there. Yeah. So the, the miss makes you go from a tie game halfway through to down one halfway through without the hammer. And after that, it, it never really felt like they were going to get back into it. Uh, I felt mm -hmm. uh, for the rest of the game. So a uh, tough one there. And that was because they didn't, as a, at least Val and Carrie didn't play up to 
what you normally expect from them. They were a little lower on percentages and, and some curious misses here and there, again, based on the, the level that they have set for themselves. Uh, they, they just didn't hit that yesterday. Uh, and frankly, neither did Sylvana Taranzoni. She didn't have the greatest no. of games yesterday. Uh, Elena Pats played well, as did uh, the front end for Carrie Anderson and Harrison Burchard. They certainly outplayed their opposition, but mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, uh, yeah, that's cute, but it's the back end. <laughs> and like you say, they don't count points till the end. So uh, right. when the skipper's throwing good rocks, it's tough to beat. Yeah. So, and I say that as a front end player too. That's why I like playing front end. I can play poorly. doesn't really matter. I can play well. doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, it matters. Yeah. But you know, not as much as the, the stones that are thrown later. Yeah, absolutely. So those are a couple of the curious strategy decisions that came out of the weekend that we just wanted to talk about. Let us know uh, what you think of those moments or any other big strategic moments over the course of the weekend that we missed out on or or should potentially discuss moving forward. Scott, anything else out of North Bay? Uh, I'll just say I was a little surprised at the number of good seats that were still available through the playoffs, uh, through through there. I, I thought there'd be more uh, of a crowd there in North Bay. Now, yeah. again, it's not the world championship, and they really turned out for the world championship. Uh, so who knows? It's still, you know, COVID is still a thing. So that could have depressed crowds a little bit. Also a holiday weekend. And uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, from my experience in North Bay, go to other places uh, on that weekend. So a variety of factors that could have been in play there. Uh, but I was just a little surprised at that. I was also surprised to see the Pinty's Pub is no more, Scott. Uh, it has That's been right. replaced by the Pinty's Eat Well Zone. How do you feel about that change? Don't like it, Sean. Uh, I don't go to curling to eat well. I go to curling to eat chicken wings and drink beer in the Pinty's Pub. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's They're promoting their new line, right? So, yeah. eh, call it whatever they like. Just don't call me late for dinner. Uh, <laughs> the Pinty's Pub, when I went to a Grand Slam event in yeah. uh, Victoria, they ran out of chicken wings. So Brutal. hopefully the eat well zone will not run out of food for all of the patrons there. Uh, still a great view of, of the curling great view of the game, but now it's just, I don't even know. Is it just like all organic stuff? Like must be. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Grill, everything grilled, no fried, anything water, like, no beer, yeah. water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. It, the thing is, I, I realize it's just a promotion, and ultimately, it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't roll off <laughs> the tongue as well, right? Like, you know, yeah. like you say, "Oh, I, we're hanging out in the Pinty's pub." You're like, "Oh, that sounds pretty cool." Like, yeah, yeah, sounds fun. We're, hey, we're gonna go hang out in the Pinty's Eat Well Zone. Yeah, I yeah. think, I'll, st- I think mm. I'll stay in my seat. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I think so, Sean. I think so. Yeah, yeah the alliteration with Pinty's Pub. Uh, the P sound is nice and hard, so uh, it can yeah. punctuate the sentence. Yeah. yeah. And a pub, like it, it just, the word pub, it, it denotes like fun, uh, collegiality, you're chatting, you're having a good time. Like if the pub is good, that's what should be happening. Uh, and eat well zone, I don't really know what that is. Yeah. A pub, it's short for public house, right? Yeah. Like uh, a house for the public. So, yeah. yeah. Even well, if they call it must... the. The Pinty's Eat Well Pub. Sure. Better. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're just getting old, I guess, complaining about yeah. uh, these things. I know. Uh, so that was another thing out of North Bay. Anything else, Scott, though, uh, that you wanted to talk about? Well, I'll just keep uh, harping on the Grand Slam of curling. But they sure are making it hard to watch replays of this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I have Sportsnet now. I log in, and I can watch the two-minute highlight package of all the draws. I can't watch the full thing, right. which it, it also just, like, is kind of annoying. Because yeah. if you want people to watch this and they're not able to do it because I don't know, it's Thanksgiving weekend. If there's no way for me to catch up on it, then why do I care about the next one? Right? Like anyway. Uh, And a lot of them were on Sportsnet 360 or just online. uh, A lot of the draws. So again, tough for the audience that curling draws, but I don't know. I, I just found it that I, I wasn't able to watch it when I wanted to very easily. So I kind of gave up. Yeah. I, I, w- I did watch a bit. Like I, I didn't not watch curling all weekend, but right. could have been easier. Yeah. And you see this with Curling Canada events that for the most part, they're up on YouTube. If it's a morning draw, sometimes later that day, uh, but usually the next day. Uh, those draws are up and even though they don't get, get a lot of views even if it's you know three four thousand that's worth it right in the sport of yeah. this size to put it up and yeah i think you know sportsnet owns the grand slams they are a major communications company and they have an online way to watch games that they want you to pay for so why not put the games up after they're over i don't understand that and, uh, and like on the on the service that I'm already paying for. Yeah. So, like I understand if you don't want to put it on YouTube, if you're a sports yeah. grand slam. Yeah, sure. Like don't put it on YouTube. Make people pay for that. Like if, if they're not going to watch it when it's on TV and you want to drive some people, I don't know how many people are going to be driven to Sportsnet now just for the curling, but if it's more than zero, then it's worth it. Exactly. So anyway, uh, that's just another, in my series of, I guess, complaining about the Grand Slam. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. It was a fun weekend overall, I think, in North Bay. And congratulations to Brad Gushu, Sylvana Tiranzoni. Uh, one other thing before we go, a lot of discussion this past week, uh, both online and uh, certainly uh, in the real world, about uh, what's been going on in the United States, uh, the National Women's Soccer League, the H report came out last week about uh, what happened in the NS NWSL over the past few seasons. Uh, as it relates to curling, Jeff Plush is now uh, in charge of USA Curling, uh, and he is a prominent figure in the H report. And certainly there are significant and I think very valid questions about whether or not Jeff Plush should be leading another sports organization. And uh, USA Curling to this point has not really come out with anything. Uh, this is something that we are obviously going to follow. Uh, for the moment, I would just recommend Ryan and Jonathan on Rocks Across the Pond. They released an episode on Friday discussing in a little more detail what's in the EH report as it relates to Jeff Plush. Some of the background work they did before they interviewed Jeff Plush as well. Uh, they mentioned that. Uh, and 
I would echo their sentiment that the situation is both enraging to read about uh, the the ineffectual leadership at the NWSL uh, and that somebody uh, who's in a position of leadership there now has a position of leadership in curling. Uh, And also there's a a sadness to it for the people who were uh, subjected to this treatment, uh, that it hasn't been addressed in an adequate way. So that's what I have to say about this for now. Uh, and we'll try to follow up with it as this situation develops. But check out Ryan and Jonathan, if you have not yet, on Rocks Across the Pond uh, for the situation with USA Curling, which you know I, I tweeted the other day that, to put it extremely mildly, USA Curling has had a bad six months. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very well said. And I'll echo uh, your sentiment for the, the Rocks Across the Pond podcast. Uh, good coverage of it there. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll say too, it's it's not really anything against the players either. Like Corey Dropkin and his team, they're just out there playing. And it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that they have to do this in the backdrop uh, of all this too. Same with Team Peterson, uh, who is there in North Bay. So uh, we'll monitor that uh, over the next little while and, and see what comes of it. So with that, we will say thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Do the likes and ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. You can also head on over to GameStonesPod.com. All of our past episodes are available under the episode tab. And you can, of course, click on the merch. I am eagerly awaiting my hoodie, which, uh, according to Canada Post, should be here later this week of course we are going to donate all of the proceeds from the merch to food banks canada and the sandra schmirler foundation and match those as well and of course you can follow along with everything we got going on at game of stones pod on twitter and instagram game of stones podcast on facebook and you can always reach out game of stones podcast at gmail.com so scott it is thanksgiving what what are you thankful for here as we you know celebrate our thanks well, uh, I'm thankful for a lot of things, Sean. I- I'm thankful that I had a pretty good season of Blue Jays baseball to watch. That <laughs> as devastating as the ending is, it's like you're it's it's like something that's there every day over the summer, and it's part of my routine. I know we talked in the pandemic year how hard it was without that sort of rhythm Mm -hmm. of, of the calendar. So, you know what? I'm, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the team. They brought me a lot of joy this year and uh, looking forward to next year already. There you go. Brooklyn Dodgers. There's always next, always next year. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We are only uh, a smooth six months away from uh, opening day, a little less actually than six months away from opening day, Scott. Yep, and I was looking at their uh, roster already today. So okay. seeing right. seeing what needs to change, what can change, and uh, who's leaving, who's going, who's yeah. coming. It'll be an yeah. interesting winter on that front for sure, as it will be an interesting winter as we get through the rest of the curling season. So please do join us for that, and it'll start next week. So until we talk then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...